0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Teaching Tales, episode 61. I am Brent Coley, your host, elementary principal in beautiful Southern California. And I'm really excited
1: today. Joining me is the one and the only Chuck Poole. Chuck, how are you? I'm doing great, Brent. Thanks for having me on the show. Excited to be here. I think uh, it'll be a cool conversation.
0: Yeah, I am am looking forward to this. We've been voxing back and forth. The the stars have finally aligned and I appreciate you are taking you are in school right now during a prep period or 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 something like that. So I, I appreciate you taking the time. And because uh, I have admired your work for for a long time. Okay. <laughs> your podcast and and now your Instagram stories, which we'll let you kind of talk about a little bit later in your book. But before before we get to that, before we get into the stories, for anyone who has not yet growth mindset
1: there, yet discovered Chuck Poole. Who is Chuck Poole? Uh, Well, who is Chuck Poole? I guess, well, first and foremost, I'm a teacher, right? I teach middle school language arts in New Jersey, uh, which I've been doing now for, I guess, 20 years, which has been uh, interesting to to actually say that out loud to realize I've been doing it for that long, but absolutely love it. Uh, I also founded Teachonomy, uh, teachonomy teachonomy.com, That's where my podcast is, which is called Teachonomy Talks and my blog. Um, You had mentioned the Insta stories. I just started that on Instagram under Teachonomy as well, um, which is cool. The goal there is kind of what I've been trying to do with my blog and podcast and everything else and with my book um, would be to encourage and inspire teachers so that they could go into their classroom to change the world. So that's basically my, my focus and mission, I guess you could say.
0: Well, if no one has told you recently, mission accomplished, because I'm being very sincere in saying that in that that's why I started this podcast, Teaching Tales, is I've said it and I'll say it again. Everybody loves stories. And I think that it's a medium that that we can, like you said, encourage and inspire. So when I'm thinking of, well, who can I have on you (laughs) with what you do with Teachonomy and your blog and your podcast and your book? you, you do just that. So, um, and the title of your book is, is unforgettable. So we thought, I thought, what a, what a great way to share some stories because we were talking before we started recording that what teachers, what teachers do that students remember what students will, will leave a classroom remembering is so often not the curriculum and and you said that you've got a couple of stories just kind of about how how we can make ourselves not from a ego perspective (laughs) unforgettable but make some make learning unforgettable so go ahead i'll pass the virtual mic to you
1: (laughs) all right yeah um honestly when you asked me to come on the show we talked about that before the show a little bit um as well i was thinking of a couple of stories and i actually thought of three specific stories one um, and the reason why I thought of these three is because I really believe that being unforgettable or an unforgettable teacher or just making an unforgettable impact, it can happen in multiple different ways. And I think sometimes we think we have to do these grandiose things in order for somebody to remember us. And I don't think that's true at all. I, I, I was thinking of three. One, what, one has to do with the teacher that I talk about in my book. Now, my my book... It is called Unforgettable, and the interesting thing about it was that I was very intentional not to include specific stories of teachers or even specific stories about myself or my journey. One reason why is because I really wanted people who were reading it to understand that Everybody is unique. Every teacher, that's my bell, by the way. Awesome. Every, every in the trenches, every, every, baby. In the trenches. Yeah, in the trenches. Uh, okay. and every teacher is unique and has the opportunity to be unforgettable. And there's no need to compare ourselves with others uh, and and necessarily cause some kind of negative thought about ourselves. So mm-hmm. I wanted to, to put that in there. But there was one teacher that I talked about in the beginning that I consider to be probably my most unforgettable teacher. And he was also my coach for years. I ended up coaching with him for 20 years, um, still in contact with him almost every day. So it's, it's actually a cool experience. So one of my stories has to do with something that I learned from him that just through his example. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing. One of my stories was about a run-in that I had with a student 15 years after I taught him. And then the last one was something that I'm doing this year um, with with the kids that I currently teach, that has impacted me more than I thought it would, but the unforgettable aspect I think has nothing to do with me at all. So I, I want I wanted to kind of tie those stories in. We can chat about them if you want. So I think yeah, right.
0: go for it. No, please, that sounds great.
1: All right, cool. Well, my first story is uh, about my unforgettable teacher. His name was Mr. B- is he's Mr. Bills, and like I said, he was my coach for years. Taught me for forever Uh, and i mentioned him in my book however um what he actually taught me was based on the example and and i'll tell you the quick story it actually happened outside of the classroom and it happened at a soccer camp when i was observing eight-year-olds i don't know if you ever watched eight-year-olds play soccer it could be a a ants on a sugar cube the ball shoots out and the the mass yes exactly and my job actually at this particular soccer camp interesting enough was to oversee the different age groups uh we we had groups that ranged from ages 5 to 18 and i had to make sure that the coaches in charge of these groups were providing quality training for the kids and it just so happened on the day that i was observing the eight-year-olds my unforgettable teacher and coach was in charge of one of the groups and we had had 48 eight-year-olds that year so we split them into two groups of 24 if that makes sense so my particular coach was in charge of one and there was another coach that was in charge of the other and i had to to watch both of them now the interesting thing was both of them were being run by coaches that have been around the sport for 20 years or more so they had both coached at the high school varsity level for quite a long time Uh, to give you an idea of particular the coach that that I look at as unforgettable he's a hall of fame high school coach he's had over a thousand wins at the time Uh, very successful and the other guy had coached at the varsity level for 20 years as well so I really didn't think that I was going to run into any issues but (laughs) what I saw was a totally different story and the lesson that I learned through this and you'll kind of see what that what I mean by it was that there's a big difference between putting in years and experience Mm. and i kind of carried that with me you know essentially through my life and it was all based on this one man's example see what i saw when i watched this i saw one group of 24 eight-year-olds and what the coach had done is he set them up in two lines of 12 and it took each kid about 30 seconds to dribble through the cones which meant that that last kid Took about it was about six minutes before he even touched the ball to go through mm. the other group which was where my unforgettable teacher was uh he basically put the he had developed eight lines of three so the kids were a lot more active and they, they mm-hmm. had Uh needless to say the first group of eight-year-olds were nuts they were running all over the place kicking balls in the woods chasing each other around <laughs> and the coach had spent more time wrangling them together than actually teaching them any skills where the second group, it was almost like they were a well-oiled machine. And uh, they went through the drills, and and it was fascinating to watch. But the funny thing was that second group that looked like a well-oiled machine was the least skilled of the two. Mm. And when all was said and done, I had to debrief now with them. And I did. And And after chatting with them and talking, that's when I kind of realized this crucial lesson, that there's a big difference between the amount of years you put in and the experience because both of these coaches had coached for over 20 years. They had both coached at the same level, which was the varsity level, but only one of them kind of harnessed the experience they had gained over the years to fine tune and provide the best outcome where the other one simply repeated what he'd done for, for years and blamed everything on, you know, outside circumstances, kind of refused Mm -hmm. to take that ownership. Um, so to come full circle on it, I think part of being unforgettable is taking the experience that we have and harnessing the lessons that we've learned to provide the best experience possible for our students. I think, yeah. you know, I think when we do that, uh, we can really make a difference, you know. Abs-
0: absolutely. And 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 knowing that no matter how many years, I think one of the most dangerous, I, I heard somebody use the phrase once and like using the word an experienced teacher saying, I've been teaching for X number of years, I know what I'm doing. And and, and it's just like, (laughs) oh, and and it was said in a way that was um, like, I don't have anything to learn and i think that is just oh one of the most dangerous mindsets that whether you're in one year, 10 years, 20, 30 years, we all can take those experiences and mesh and and mold our practice so that we're constantly improving.
1: Yeah, i totally agree. I mean, i i honest i think that if there's no growth or difference between how we taught during, during year 1 and how we teach in year 20, oh. then i don't think we really can call ourselves experienced, right? I think we could have to say that we've just been teaching a long time. Exactly, I love that. I I, I know that for me. And honestly, like I I know that I have fallen into this trap. And there's times when I may do that as, you know, coming in the future. I don't know. But what I do now, if I see myself heading in that direction, or if I see myself kind of falling back, because I want to make things easier, I always think of that group of eight year olds and what I experienced, because Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the person that has to run around trying to wrangle and make excuses as to why something's not working when I have the experience that I can pull on to make sure that it does. Mm,
0: what a great example. What a yeah. great example. Cause those eight year olds were being eight. Exactly. It, 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 you, how, how angry, how upset can you get? Hey guys, stop being eight. It's like, <laughs> yeah. That That's on, that's on me for not recognizing that they're eight and they're going to be running into the woods and doing stuff like that unless I give them the parameters and I put them in a condition in a situation where they're going to be highly engaged and highly successful. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. You mentioned a a story of, of
1: somebody out, uh, a former student. Oh, yeah, I had a former student and and his name is Matt, um, which I could say because no one's going to know who Matt is. It's a pretty (laughs) common name. But uh, yeah, an interesting thing is this, because I know in your book, you talk about how important the little things are. Yeah. And I, I truly feel that what often makes a teacher unforgettable has to do more with the small things than it does with, the, the, with like, the grand gestures. And one story that I'll never forget, and it, it's interesting because it happened to me a few years ago and I ended up getting a free meal at Olive Garden, so that was (laughs) was kind of cool too. Uh, But it was a Friday night, and I remember that because my wife and I usually go on date night on Friday night, and I decided that uh, we were gonna go to Olive Garden. So we thought, you know, it's simple, it was close to our house, we had a busy day, so we went, figured we'd go to Olive Garden. And uh, it was super packed, so we had to wait. And when we finally were seated, the waitress, it was actually a waitress that came up, she introduced herself, and she took our drink order. But when she came back to the table, um, with our waters, something weird happened because she simply said something like I'm no longer gonna be your waitress tonight Matt's gonna be taking care of you for the rest of the meal now. We had no idea who Matt was and We had experienced before like waitresses and waiters sharing tables uh-huh. but it, Anyone literally drop water off and say I'm no longer gonna serve you and it was kind of awkward My wife and I looked at each other and we were like, did we say something? <laughs> uh, what did we do that would make this girl not want to be our waitress? but within a few minutes, Matt comes in. And this made it even more awkward because he comes in and he had this giant smile on your face. I still can picture it now. Uh, And he took our order. He didn't say anything. He just was, he had this almost like a giggly type expression. And he took our order and he left and it was really awkward. And my wife was kind of like, what's up with that guy? And I said, I don't know what's going on. I thought we were like on a hidden camera show. (laughs) But uh, about 15 minutes later, he came back with our food and he said to me, if he asked me if i knew who he was or if i recognized him and that's one thing that people do that that's a scary question out in public (laughs) exactly because i thought how do i know him and and i honestly i just said you know what i i don't know who you are so he, he smiled and he told me he said you were actually my teacher 15 years ago when i was in sixth grade so then as he started to tell me who he was i Pictured the sixth grade version of him because he looked totally different, much taller, obviously, and uh, his facial features were different. I, I would have never recognized him. And we were not in the town where I taught, so I would have never expected a student wow. to be there. And uh, so he starts telling me that, that I had taught him. and But then he paused for a moment and he said, you know, the reason why I took your table today is I saw you walk in and I recognized you. And I thought, wow, that's that's cool. And he said, but I wanted to take your your table because I've never had the opportunity to thank you because in sixth grade you changed my life Mm -hmm. and I thought I I I was racking my brain and I had no idea what he's talking about and I said you know Matt thank you that makes me feel great but honestly I don't know how I changed your life what exactly did I do that would have done something like that and then he told me and what he said was that when he was in sixth grade he was being bullied and he was a really shy kid and he told me that it was happening more in the shadows and he didn't say anything to anyone. He never told his parents or at least at that point, but he said the one thing was the kid that was bullying him was also in the same class for one period with him and it was mine. Mm. And he said, the interesting thing was whenever he came into my class, he knew that that was the one place where he felt safe because he said that the, the bully actually really liked my class and he liked me. So he knew that he wasn't going to do anything um, that would kind of jeopardize that kind of relationship in the class yeah. and, and, and he said, he knew that I would have stepped in or whatever. So I said, oh, that's great. And I said, but I don't understand how that would have changed your life. And he said, no, that's not what did it. He said, there was one day that they were, he said, we were walking out of class and you kind of walked us out and the bully checked him like, uh, with, like a shoulder check and knocked yeah. him on the ground and his books went all over the place. And he said that I immediately, and again, I don't remember this, but he said, I immediately intervened. He said that I got the bully. I kind of reprimanded him a little bit, but pulled him back into my class. I bent down, helped Matt pick up his books, and pulled him in the class. And he said, But the thing that you did was, he said, I didn't yell at them. He said, What I did, I stared at the bully and I I had told him, I said, Listen, um, this is what you need to know about Matt. And he said, And I then went through a bunch of positive things about matt and i told him all of the things that are great about this kid and i don't understand why you would ever try and bully this kid at all and then he said that made him feel excellent and wonderful and then he said but then you looked at me and you told me all of the great things you thought about the bully he said hmm. that kind of made him mad and I said, okay <laughs> but he said but, but what it did was it showed him that he had a lot more in common with the bully than than he thought he did. And the bully had a lot more in common with Matt than he thought he did. And he said he walked away from that conversation, him and the bully actually became friends, Mm. but he said he walked away from that confident in himself because no one had ever told him all of these things that I had just said to him. He said he never heard it from home, he never heard it from any other teacher, he never heard it from any other friends. He said it was the first time in his life that anyone told him he was a good at anything. And I was speechless. You know, I, I it was just something, literally, a five-minute conversation. I kind of wanted to, def- to diffuse something and let these kids know that I cared about them. But he said it was from that point on that he, for the rest of his life, any time that he was in a tough situation, he remembered the words that I told him that day in sixth grade. And it literally changed his life. And I was speechless. Like, I, I honestly couldn't believe that this kid was telling me the story. My wife was crying in the booth. Um, sure. And it was cool. And then he came up and he was like, you know, just to say thank you, I want to take care of this Olive Garden dinner for you. And I was like, no, not at all. But he would, he, you know, I let him do that, which was cool. I had free pasta. But the uh, the moral of the story was, I couldn't believe that the the littlest thing of just a simple compliment really changed the whole trajectory of this little eleven year old's life. That now he still remembers it to this day. I, I just, to me, I think that sometimes the little things that we do as teachers and we don't necessarily think is that big of a deal can be the thing that changes the way a student looks at themselves
0: that's what a what a powerful story and what struck me from that and and you mentioned it is you don't remember it
1: yeah (laughs)
0: but 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 that is so true that it, it just it speaks to the power that we as educators possess, regardless of our position, whether it's teaching sixth grade language arts at the middle school level or being a site principal or being the, the cafeteria yeah. or, or the playground aid, we, we have such power. I mean, that, that reminds me of a couple of years ago at the end of the year, we sent out, a, 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 and out a, uh, messages of appreciation. So we sent out a Google form to all of our school community, students, staff, everybody, parents okay. to say, thank somebody for something that they've done this year. And it was, it was awesome. We had over a thousand responses, but one of the things that struck me was I got one from one of our fifth grade students, oh, wow. one of our girls. And she said, Mr. Coley, I want to thank you for helping me up on the first day of school when I fell
1: huh.
0: and I have no of course, Yeah no recollection of, of, of her falling and me helping her up that out of 180 days later at the end of the school year, what she remembered was I helped her up when she tripped in. Yeah. And it's like, that's a little thing, but it was a big thing. And I think the little things are the big things. And that's, wow. What a great Olive Garden Matt story. That's, that is that is fantastic and it is terrifying when somebody says do you know who i am oh
1: yeah that's the worst worst because
0: you (laughs) (laughs) because they don't
1: look the same they don't look the same and you immediately kind of scan through your brain who this possibly could be Uh, and the worst is when they're a student that remembers you for a reason like this and you don't even know who they are in the moment you know it's not a good feeling
0: (laughs) yeah i used to teach fourth and fifth grade as well so same type of thing when they come back and they're they are now taller than you and if they're boys a deep voice and Uh and yeah they don't look anything like they usually sometimes it's like oh my gosh you're just a 15 year old version of of the student that was in my class but um wow and you said you said you had one more story
1: yeah i do i have one more story because i think the first two really i mean the there's so many different ways that i think we can be unforgettable right uh one could be just by the example we set, kind of like what Mr. Bills did for me, and mm-hmm. one could be just doing the little things, like like apparently what I did for Matt that kind of transformed his life. But the third one is interesting. This happened this year, and I think another way teachers can be unforgettable is when they help students develop relationships relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes I think we worry about what we need to do to be unforgettable or what we need to do to be able to last in their minds and sometimes what we need to do is help them build relationships with each other that'll last. Um, See in middle school which is where I've been teaching now for 20 years uh, I always see kids struggle to make friends and it it really breaks my heart. It seems to be whatever reason this age it it can be a tough age for a lot of kids Uh, but this year something different happened. I actually experienced that heartbreak for, I would say firsthand on the look of a kid. I never really experienced it one-on-one sitting right across from a kid. And this is kind of what happened. It was a few days before we had winter break and a few teachers and myself decided that we would head into the cafeteria and have lunch with the kids. We do that every once in a while. Mm -hmm. We have a large school. So there might be 400 kids in the cafeteria at a time. So when we, you know, just for the sixth grade, So then we go in for that. It's a big deal. The kids all want to sit with us. and They want to hang out with us. It's kind of fun. So we decided, all right, let's do that. Let's hang out with the kids. And as I walked around, I was chatting with a bunch of different tables. I looked up and I saw that there was one table and there was only four girls sitting at the table, but none of them were talking to each other. So I walked up there and I said, hello. And they kind of glanced at me. Now, I I teach each one of these kids. So I, I know that they're, they tend to be shy, but they weren't really saying anything. And so I got there and I asked them, you know, where else, where is everybody? Like, where's everyone else that normally sits? Because they were at a table that could seat 12 kids, but there was only four of them sitting there. And one of the girls looked up at me and she was sad, but she was just kind of eating her sandwich, if you can picture that. And she said, Mr. Poole, we sit here because we don't have any friends. Mm. And when she said that, it literally broke my heart. And I, I kind of, didn't know what to say at that moment. And I looked around and the other girls just kind of nodded, shrugged their shoulders and went back to eating. And so then in the middle of this, it happened in a matter of 10 seconds, I came up with an idea. And I just was thinking, all right, how can I remedy this? Which I couldn't remedy the situation, but I told them that I actually came to their table because I wanted to invite them to be the first people in a secret club that I was forming that I was going to call The Underground. Now at the point, I had no idea what I was talking about. I just said this <laughs> to kind of see if they would be interested. And immediately their faces perked up. they were super excited, and they said, "Yes, we want to be part of the underground." What is it?" So now I was kind of stuck, and I said, "Well, I can't tell you that right now because it's a secret, but we're going to start the club after break, and we're going to meet a couple times during lunch, or a couple times a week, during lunch period. Would that work for you guys? Oh, it would work. So then over break, I had to figure out exactly what the underground (laughs) would be. Let's get all the logistics figured out. Yeah, I had to figure out what am I going to do with this now that I told these four girls um, what we're going to do. Now, my goal, essentially, while I was thinking through what I was talking to them, was to figure out a way to take them out of an environment that made them feel secluded and put them into one that welcomed them. Hmm. And at lunch is when they felt most secluded. So I thought, well, how could I at least take them out for a bit and and do that and i had no idea what i was going to do but over break i created this idea uh, for the underground that it would be a secret society of sorts that would teach them how to make friends and how to kind of spread kindness throughout the building by going through missions that i would create so they would essentially be these secret agents now in middle school especially sixth grade anything that's top secret and anything that they can be like a you know a secret agent and no one else knows and it's very exclusive it's very cool right so they were super excited so after break i came back and we had our first meeting and the four girls were there and i had created a couple of missions and the first one that i told them i I walked them through i gave them badges so they have their own agent badge which essentially was their lunch pass so that they would show the lunch pass which i cleared with the cafeteria workers anytime they showed that that meant they were going to be with me in my room and so I gave them their their pass, they had a special code name, made a really big deal about it. And then I gave them their first mission. And their first mission was by the next week what I wanted them to do was to find another student that was that they felt was maybe feeling the same way they were before break and invite them to the underground. Mm-hmm. So they said, okay, they were they were up for that mission. And the next week we had 12 kids in my room. So I thought, okay, this is great. So we had the 12 kids, and I told them they were going to be the core agents of the underground, and we were going to try these missions for a couple of, t- a couple of weeks. Um, so what we did was we went through a couple of weeks, and I've given, I gave them missions. And, and the goal with each mission was to help them develop friendships or, or help them get the social skills they would need to develop friendships. And my ultimate underlying goal was to help create a group for them to be a part of where they would build lasting friendships. And they didn't see that at first, but now fast forward, the interesting thing happened about three weeks ago, maybe maybe a month now. I have 12 of the kids in this group right now. And they're very, they're, they're very close with each other at this point. And this has just been since January. So in a couple of months, um, what they told me a couple of weeks ago, I asked them what they were doing this over the weekend. And one of the girls said, you know, you're not going to believe it. We're having an underground movie viewing. And I said, well, what does that mean? They said, all 12 of us, we already coordinated it with our parents, we're all going to meet and we're going to go to the movies on Saturday, we're going to hang out, it's going to be great. And the thing that I saw with that, and we still do missions and we, we kind of help spread kindness around the building, but what what I noticed was that these four girls who it started with, who had absolutely no friends, now they come to my room usually twice a week, we've cut it out because they asked me, they said, you know, we love doing the underground, but would it be cool if we came twice a week because we all sit at the same table at lunch and now we want to just hang out at lunch sometimes. Well, So now they come Tuesdays and Thursdays and it kind of went full circle. So the, the, what were, the place where they most felt secluded now is where they, they felt very welcome because they had this group. And um, what I realized was that it wasn't it, it's not me that they're necessarily going to remember because of this. They might remember, oh, we had this underground group. But the thing that they're never gonna forget is the friendships that they formed here because now hopefully that will last a lifetime for them. And that's, I think one way that we can be unforgettable as teachers is we can do something as simple as offer or open a door for students and teach them how to build friendships and how to build relationships and help them nourish them along the way because that will last far after they leave our classroom absolutely yeah you you brought them in to give them that safe
0: place really with the with the goal that they wouldn't need to come in (laughs) that they that they would do it and and it totally i mean what a great what a great story because yeah i mean they may not i mean they may remember like you said the mr pool's underground but they're probably going to remember those friendships and the hanging out and the movie on saturday i mean that's, exactly. that's
1: well done, Chuck. <laughs> that's really cool. It was cool, you know, because I think sometimes um, for us, we, we almost want to think for us to be unforgettable, we'll almost have to pull ourselves out because it's not necessarily about us, right? So it, it, for us to make that impact on the kids and for the, to make their experience unforgettable, sometimes we just need to step back and just let them be them. You know, uh, and it, it, it's pretty cool, I, I think. And those three stories, again, anyone who's listening to the podcast, I think, I hope, uh, will understand that being unforgettable may look different depending on the students and teachers because we all have a unique skill set that we can bring. You know, sometimes we'll leave an unforgettable impact through the example, much like Mr. Bills did for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll be the little things that we do or say that become imprinted in the minds of our students. or it might just be opening a simple door to help them or provide them unforgettable memories and relationships that change their lives. I, I, I think being a memorable teacher, or unforgettable teacher is definitely something that, that we all can do. I mean, the key thing to remember is that there are so many reasons that our students remember us. And every teacher that invests in the lives of their students will ultimately become someone's unforgettable. Amen. Amen. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to remember us. The question
0: yeah. is for what? <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. For, for, for what? Well, I mean, as, as you were saying those last few sentences, it's like, there's the title making an unforgettable impact.
1: Yeah. It's not about
0: us. It's, it's what kind of impact can, can we create? And as I like to say, I mean, it may be as simple as in on a kid's shoes. Yeah. Or his haircut because that little girl that little boy's got her new pair of shoes his new pair of shoes he just wants somebody to notice yeah or he really what, to notice. The, of the year yep exactly exactly well gosh good stuff chuck this this uh mission accomplished once again wow. um the, this i'm encouraged so That's even good. if no one else is listening um i am i'm encouraged so uh, before we close, uh, we've mentioned your book, we've mentioned your podcast. Once again, for anyone who wants to connect with you on, on Twitter and your website and your podcast, how can they do that?
1: Yeah. Um, they could, you could easily contact me. Even if, if you go to teachonomy.com, that's an easy way to do it. I have a little, you know, conversation starter thing. You can pop in there, say hello to me. And, uh, I'll be happy to start sending you encouragement every week if you want Uh, Twitter, I'm at cpool27, pool with an E at the end. Um, And you can feel free to reach out to me there, private message me any way I can help. I would love to. Um, Yeah. And then obviously, if you wanted to check out the book, you can go to unseries.com. You can check out my book as well as the next two books because I'm producing the whole series. So there's a couple more books coming out from some amazing people, JC Maslick's writing one and Rochelle Dean Poth is writing one. So we have some some great authors lined up for the next two and then some more coming down the road. So um, that's exciting. So any of those places, I'd be more than happy to chat with anyone who wants to. Awesome. And, and for anyone who has not
0: uh, already listened, your podcast, the Teachonomy Talks, and I really like the, the two-minute timeout for teachers uh-huh. because um, it, whereas what we're recording here is going to be about 30 minutes, you've in nice bite-sized pieces that somebody if if you got a short commute uh you can you can drive you can listen on your way in and be encouraged to start the day so and 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 your book as well is is it does its job (laughs) your job is to encourage and inspire and let people know that anybody can be unforgettable and uh so kudos well done chuck (laughs)
1: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. Well, and I thank you. I thank you again for taking the time. I need to let you go because you've got uh, kids coming in in a few minutes (laughs) for your next period. And uh, I, uh, thanks again for your time and for everyone listening. Thank you. Appreciate you uh, tuning in. If you haven't already done so, uh, please be sure to subscribe. We're in iTunes, Google Play, on Spotify as well, or you can listen directly at BrentColby.com on the podcast page. And until next time, have a good one.